When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to episode number 232 of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and we're only Kyle Fuller, Devin Hester, Jerry Zuma days until training camp. That's right, only 23 days between now and Bear Benet. Over the past month, we've previewed special teams, every single position on defense, the offensive line, and today we're going to continue our countdown to camp with an in-depth look at the Bears' tight ends. To help me break them down, I'm joined by three of my fellow Bears brothers. I have Brandon Hazlett, Nicholas Moriano, and Will Ingles here with me. We're just going to go around the horn and catch everybody up on the week. Well, I'm going to start with B because it's only been like a day and a half. Uh, are you surviving that heat wave up there? Uh, I thought I was until this afternoon when I started to get a headache because I haven't uh, been quite acclimated to it because it's been on and off up here. But yeah, the, I'm surviving. I mean, you're here. You're alive. Uh, stay hydrated. Have those electrolytes full. And let's go over I'm to wondering. Nick. There we go. Let's go over to Nick. Uh, you just shared an interesting nugget, which you're going to be doing on Saturday that I believe our listeners must know. Yeah. So on Saturday, I'm going to try out for my acting career because I'm going to go audition to be in the new Spider-Man movie. So that's going to be interesting. I have no idea what I'm doing, uh, what I'm saying, or if I'm saying anything. But yeah, so I'm going to be doing that on Saturday and it would be awesome. I mean, Spider-Man's my favorite superhero, even if it's we were just talking about it, if, my, if it's my ankle that gets in the movie or something like that, that would be awesome. It would. No, you're going to be like legitimately like street performer number seven. And then it's oh, yeah. going to be in the background. I know you have some moves. You've just been hiding <laughs> from all of us. Let's go over to Will. How's uh, your internship been treating you? I know you've been very busy with that. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty heavy day today. I got four scripts done for the noon show. Then I got sent out on two other projects, came back, edited those, got them ready for the six. Then I had to run out and get another thing right before six o'clock. That's one of the few times I've done some deadline work. So it's been a stressful day, but hey, I'm happy to be here with you guys to break down some Bears football. There we go. Yeah, all that work, and you're still prepared, ready to talk about all the tight ends on the show today. So kudos to you. 
And before we get into the preview, I just want to ask you, our listener, to help us out and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't done so yet. I know Nick, he really cares about this. He said on the, the one week I was on vacation that he checks the numbers before each and every show, and you better see an increase in subscribers. And with the season inching closer, you know, we're still about 700 shy of our goal by week one, in which is 3,500 subscribers. And subscribing is the best way to keep up with our live shows all year long, including our post game show, some special video projects that we have coming up, uh, including the Hall of Fame weekend with Brian Erlichers and Trimit. Uh, you can partake in the live chat. You can, you know, which honestly gets a little wild during the season. And of course, just much, much more down the road. And right now, if you're listening on YouTube, you're listening to this show a few days early. We're not planning on publishing this until Monday, July 2nd. So it's just another reason to subscribe because you can get some shows just a little bit early. And speaking of the chat, I just want to thank our moderator, Tristan, for showing up each and every episode. You know, it was a very thankless job and he just does it with a smile on his face. He takes a lot of pride in moderating the chat. So Tristan, I know you're listening. I just want to say all of us appreciate you and I just want to say thank you so much. All right, brothers, let's get into it. And I typically begin our positional previews with the returning players, but I believe I need to change that for the tight ends because the guy who was expected to have the largest impact on offense at this position, the recent Super Bowl champion, Trey Burton, uh, he honestly should be who we talk about first. Uh, Burton, he signed a four-year, $32 million deal with our Bears this offseason. He has 63 career catches for 629 yards, six touchdowns in his career. And uh, I think 23 catches for about 250 yards and five touchdowns came last year in Philadelphia. And, you know, even though those are average numbers, uh, remember, he was not a primary target in Philadelphia and he was behind Zach Ertz. It's been well documented that Burton, he's going to be the U tight end, otherwise known as the move tight end. He can line up all over the field. He'll be split out wide. You're going to find him in a slot. He's going to be lining up in the backfield. And obviously, you need to be a very versatile player to fill this role. So, guys, I want to know what traits does Burton possess that our listeners need to know that are going to allow him to be successful at this position, you know, on top of the prior knowledge he has of the system because he comes from one in Philadelphia that's very similar to Matt Nagy's here in Chicago. And, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. So I think Trey Burton, just watching this film back in Philadelphia, he he's just a very fluent route runner. And you get those tight end or you get those tight end linebacker matchup. He's usually the guy that's going to be able to separate, create separation, just make the difficult catch. Uh, there was multiple times just watching him throughout uh, the Eagles season, even though he didn't have a lot of opportunities to play. He was able to come back to the ball, fight for the ball and, you know, make that difficult catch. And like I said, he's a great route runner and multiple times where linebackers are just not able to keep up with him. And that's where in this system where you need to be able to in Negi system where you have to be able to run those very precise routes. That's why Trey Burton fits so well in here. And that's why they went to go get him. So it's a perfect fit. He's going to be able to do a lot more than what he did in Philadelphia because he was behind Zach Ertz most of the time. But he fits perfectly and he has all the qualities to be a great tight end. Yeah, no doubt about it. Will, I want to go over to you. What are some things that excite you about Trey Burton? When I think about Trey Burton, I think of all the things that make him a matchup nightmare, no matter who is on him. If it's a linebacker, Nick kind of mentioned this a little bit. He's a fluent route runner. You know, linebacker steps generally aren't the loosest. They want to be going downhill, but you have someone with enough speed like Trey Burton. It's really tough for a linebacker to stay with him. But if you get a safety on him, he not only has that speed because safeties, you know, coming from the defensive perspective, safeties are taught not to give a lot of ground to tight ends because obviously you're going to have a lot of intermediate routes, you know, 10 to 12, oftentimes on the inside, they don't want tight ends to be giving a lot of ground up to those because that's where tight ends make their money. But 
if you watch the Los Angeles Rams film, which is where Burton got a lot of his opportunities with Zach Ertz being hurt during the game, you see him really get past a lot of safeties and coverage as well as linebackers. So I think he has that kind of fire and ice type of uh, athletic skill set that really helps him burn no matter everyone who's covering him, whether that be a linebacker or a safety. All right, B, I want to go over to you real quick because we mentioned it. Burton, he does have a very small sample size, but he's getting a lot of hype, right? Uh, we talked about you know all the skill sets that he brings to the table. On top of that, there's been all the reports about OTAs that he and Trubisky are already clicking, already building chemistry, so there's a ton of hype around him. But I think it might be a little easy to get carried away with some expectations for Burton. So let's kind of set things straight. What would be reasonable expectations to set for him? And then, of course, you can set the bar a little lower and hopefully he surprises you and surpasses him. Yeah, I mean, I th- I had realistically had him at about 30, 35, uh, just because Trubisky likes to spread the ball around so much as it is on top of the depth that tight end and wide receiver. Uh, so I wouldn't say, I would say that 30, 35 is probably about where I would realistically set it, even though I'd like to see him get 40, 45. And even if he gets 25, I'm not going to be upset about it because that means there's other options out there. I mean, I think 35 is the right number for, for Trey Burton in this offense right now. All right. Well, let's take this uh, from a different perspective. You talked about how he can be a matchup problem. You're a linebacker. How can he make life hell for you if you were trying to cover, uh, you know, a Trey Burton? I mean, of course, let's uh, let's do with some appropriate. Uh, what do you want to talk? Adjustment and skill level. Yeah, obviously. So when I think of a tight end, you generally have you know your larger guys. Tight ends kind of go into one or the other. So you either have your kind of bigger guys, like kind of what Deion Sims kind of fits into, your guy who's more often going to block and then maybe have a short route. Or if they're really trying to hit a home run with the skies, you're going to see him on a corner route, kind of like how Sims scored in the Baltimore game on that trick play. But, you know, or you have your speed guy, kind of like a Jimmy Graham type, who will function almost more of as, as a receiver. And in that case, you often have a different tight end matchup. You're going to have more of an outside linebacker slash, you know, kind of hybrid safety covering him. But the problem with Trey Burton is that he can function as both. So that that's what makes him a real matchup nightmare is that he can really function as both. You're losing no matter who covers him. As a linebacker, I'd get really concerned about his route running and speed because he's a guy who can hurt you outside and inside. Normally, if you get a guy like Deion Sims, you're not too concerned about catch-up speed if he wants to break outside rather than inside, which, you know, linebacker is going to tend to want to help out the inside, especially on, you know, a man-zero concept where you're not going to get any safety help over top. You're going to be more concerned about him gashing across the middle of the field than going outside. But with Burton, I'm concerned about him giving outside too because he's going to have that speed to break away from me. Yeah, good stuff there. Let's go over to Nick. I want to know your expectations for Burton, and where do you think he's going to end up on the team in term of in term of receptions? So, I mean, we saw what he did in three years in Philadelphia. You said it well, those uh, statistics. But honestly, I think in this offense, being the number one guy, I think he should be able to get those numbers in one year with the Bears, honestly. The touchdowns, I mean, uh, I think he had six or five in those uh, three total years. It, that's a reasonable number maybe for me, but the receptions and yards, I think that's where Trey Burton should be at. I think he's going to be the focal point of this offense for Trubisky throwing the ball to. I think Allen Robinson's going to take a little bit of time. So Trey Burton's just going to be that go-to guy. Cause again, he's coming to a system that he's familiar with that Trubisky's learning again, year one, that's going to be the guy uh, between, you know, the short to intermediate routes. So you're going to look for Trey Burton as opposed to maybe uh, an Allen Robinson first coming in from an injury. So that's why I think Trey Burton is just going to, be the guy who maybe leads this team in receptions. Maybe, uh, maybe that's a little far-fetched because I mean, obviously he is a tight end still. He's going to be able to block and stuff like that. But Trey Burton, I'm expecting him to really 
beat his statistics for three years in the Eagles with his one year with the Bears right now. Well, as a very bold statement there, but I think he does have the talent. He has the ability. He's going to be put in a position to succeed and perhaps reach those type of numbers. You make a really good point about him being the security blanket, a highly targeted receiver, because with RPOs, a big thing you have to do is stretch. The, you know, you want to stretch the defense vertically. And with all the speed that the Bears brought in, either it be Anthony Miller or Taylor Gabriel, uh, they're going to, you know, honor the deep threat. So they're going to be backing off a ton, which is going to leave a lot of soft coverages, you know, down low in the zones for Burton to find the soft spot, kind of sit in it. Trubisky will easily be able to hit that target time and time again. So for that reason, I do see Burton being a focal point in this offense. Like he said, go-to guy. Any final thoughts on Burton, guys, before we move on? Yeah, he's caught 70% of the balls that come his way in his career, I believe was the stat I found. Uh, so I, I definitely see where he's going to be a focal point of the offense, but let's keep in mind, you know, Trubisky also has Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, Adam Shaheen, and Daniel Brown. I think Daniel Brown gets some time. A little bit of a spoiler alert there. So I, there's plenty of depth out here uh, to go along. We need to get yeah. like a soundbite for spoiler alerts for Brandon. I know. I'm, I'm on a roll like three in a row. <laughs> no kidding. Go ahead, Will. Say so For me, I think we haven't exactly brought up, and he, you mentioned earlier that he is a move tight end. I think that we are underselling the fact that I think there's going to be amount of times that he lines up in the backfield as kind of like your H-back fullback type. And I think that's going to be a place where we see him get a lot of like short targets, whether that's going to be a short little hitch up the middle of the field or whether that's a flare out to the outside. You know, you mentioned security blanket. I think they're going to, Trubisky and Burton are going to have a lot of rapport just built up from that because I think a lot of people will be trying to blitz Trubisky knowing his athletic ability. They don't want him to sit back there and extend the play. That little flare-out can oftentimes create a big play, especially with someone as athletic as Burton. So let's not forget him lining up in the backfield as well. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that, too, is going to be timing. If they can have this correct timing on those short little routes, have Burton in a position where he can catch that ball and turn up field in a hurry, you know, I can definitely see him, you know, racking up the yards after the catch, the yak. Uh, this season, no doubt about it. Nick, I'm going to give you the floor if you have anything else to add. I know I have high expectations for Trey Burton, but we still got to remember he only had he only had 300 snaps on offense last season, 26 percent uh, on the offense. Um, he actually had more snaps on the special teams with 308. So I'm expecting a lot from a guy who hasn't who he hasn't proved it yet. He has this big contract showing that he he has done it in the past, but he really hasn't. So now he's expected to be in this number one role. I think he is going to be able to handle it, but it's going to be interesting to see how Trey Burton does handle it, being the number one guy as opposed to not having Zach Ertz in front of him. He's the number one guy that people have to look up to. Yeah, and something I want to mention too about him is I remember early on OTA's uh, Pace and Negi were talking about how that was both of them targeted him in free agency. So that's like my top guy I want to bring in at the position. So if they both have that extreme confidence in him, enough to pay him as much as they did, it's hard as a fan not to get excited about the potential that he's going to bring to the Bears offense. All right, guys, so up next, we're going to follow the money trail and discuss the next highest paid tight end on the roster. But before we do, we need to burn a timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek app on our phones and our devices, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. We can be anywhere and just in a few tabs, instantly find some seats. And I want to share a story about this real quick, because I had a fan reach out uh, who wanted to go to the game with us down in Miami, and he was looking at a competitor site. I'm not going to name it. And he said, are tickets really over $500 for your section? And I was like, 
no, that's blasphemous. There's no way. I checked that site. It was true. I redirected him to SeatGeek where they were much cheaper, only like $60 per ticket. And so for that reason, I just want to encourage you to check out SeatGeek, even if you already have a favorite ticket site, because they do a great job of searching multiple ticket sites to get you the best prices and find you amazing deals. And again, we're going to be at the Hall of Fame game. We're going to be at the game down in Miami. I know Nick's probably going to be ending up at another home game as well throughout the season. And on top of that, they do much more like concerts. There are a few summer concerts like uh, Panic at the Disco, if that's your thing. So whatever your flavor is, definitely check out SeatGeek. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Because they'll have the tickets for you. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. This is your host, Will DeWitt. I'm accompanied by three of my Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett, Nicholas Moriano, and Will Ingles, and we are previewing the tight end heading into training camp. Like I mentioned before the break, the next man up is the second highest paid tight end on the roster, despite the fact that he only mustered 15 catches for 180 yards and a touchdown a season ago. Of course, I'm talking about Deion Sims. He's going to be earning over $6 million this season. Sims, he's entering his second year in Chicago. And in multiple ways, I think we can all agree that he was a disappointment last year coming out of Miami. Obviously, the entire offense was in 2016. So in no capacity is he alone in this regard. But guys, I want to know a lot of fans and analysts analysts, I should say, uh, were surprised when the Bears decided to keep Sims around for another go, especially after signing Trey Burton. Nick, over to you first. Why do you think the Bears kept him? I'm still wondering that question, but I mean, I guess he's supposed to be the blocking tight end. He's the Y tight end as Trey Burton is the U. Deion Sims is the Y. He's going to be responsible for being in those heavy pack run packages or um, just on the goal line. You're going to want that tight end as opposed to maybe a Trey Burton. But that's, I guess, the main role. But he's getting paid to do more than that. So you got to keep that in mind as well. Um, but, yeah, it was it was interesting to see that the Bears did bring him back. I was surprised by it. I'm still wondering about it. I want, we, obviously, that whole entire offense, like you said, Will, was pretty bad last season. But he wasn't—he wasn't very good when he had his opportunities to make plays. He didn't make them. So Deion Sims—he uh, has a lot to prove, and he's like you said, six million a year, three-year contract, eighteen million. So he has to prove that he earned needs, you know, has earned that contract, which he definitely didn't do last season. Yeah, no doubt. What about you, B? Do you still have a sour taste in your mouth, or are you giving him a clean slate like Ryan Pace is giving everybody? Uh, he's the wide tight end because we're all wondering why he's here. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that bad joke out there, but uh, I. I think that the the new coach really helped him out a lot in this situation. I think he's a little overpaid to be strictly a, a blocking tight end. He'll get his chances out there as receiver as well. Uh, but I think he's a little overpaid for what he's capable of doing. We've seen so many passes slip through his hands last year. It's just, you know, kind of a, a why is he here type of position. What about you, Will? I know you've been looking at some of the tape. Uh, he's supposed to be a blocking tight end, but did he even do that effectively last year? Because if my memory serves me correct, and I haven't watched any of Deion Sims' film this week, I've been really busy with work. He wasn't really doing a great job in that aspect. 
Okay, to be fair, I, I, t- I have a different take on Deion Sims than from the other two that have already spoken. It's I, I understand that he underperformed last year, but you have to understand that the Bears' offense was always operating at a deficit. So when Deion Sims was on the field, they keyed wrong because 80 – I mean, obviously, I don't have the uh, exact numbers, but if Deion Sims was on the field, it was almost always going to be a run because that's what he specialized in was run blocking. So you're already facing an, a defense that – kind of knows what you're going to do and that's really tough to operate as an offense regardless of whether you're good at your position or not especially in the NFL you aren't big enough or bad enough to say to someone hey we're going to run it right here good luck stopping us you know it's not that kind of league everyone's talented enough to stop it if they know what's going to happen and we saw that happen time and time again now what really impresses me about Deion Sims and going back and watching his Miami film which you know prompted Ryan Pace to sign him for last season's team was that he actually is able to move relatively well. I think watching last year, John Fox and that offense got him into a groove where he was so used to blocking and so used to going on two routes or something along those lines of game. that I think it kind of got him into a rut. I think this clean slate with Nagy as an offense and clean slate with pace will make you see more of what you saw in Miami, which is a person who terrorizes defenses in the red zone. Because he is able to move better than we've given him credit for and better than he, sh- he showed last year, to be fair. He underperformed last year. I think there's reasons for that. Do you trust that. his hands, though? I do, because if you watch his Miami tape, he had really great hands. I was watching uh, his film against the Jets uh, just before we went on, and he made an absolutely phenomenal catch. Uh, Ryan Tannehill threw it really low and away as he was running towards the front corner of the end zone at the pylon has to scoop it basically off the ground. They had to review it to see if he caught it. And I think overall his hands are quite reliable and he did not show that last year. That's a completely valid point. Yeah. Completely valid point from last season, but I think he was out of rhythm because that offense was out of rhythm and everything about last season was kind of out of rhythm on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't hold last season against him. I think we'll see a much more clear picture of what Deion Sims is this, this season. Yeah, I want to add a little bit to this because while you guys were talking, I wanted to look up his catch percent per year because you guys hit you guys were both right, which is you know pretty interesting because in Miami he averaged about seventy three percent of his catches in, in in the two years his previous two years before coming to Chicago, and that's on uh, how many targets? Let's see, twenty five plus thirty five, so six. 70 targets. So 70 targets catching about 73% of those balls. And then last year in Chicago, he had those 29 targets was only able to haul in about 50%. So again, the whole offense was atrocious last year. That's the whole entire reason why we're uh, having this whole swing of momentum in the franchise going with this new fresh approach with coach Nagy. So yeah, clean slate, I believe is an appropriate way to go with the um, Sims, but still I think in Chicago in most Bears fans mind, they're going to have a very low bar in terms of what to expect, which is fine. I, I like to keep my expectations lower, have players outperform them. So Nick, I'm going to go to you first. What would happen this year to have you say at the end that Deion Sims had a successful season to have a successful season? I mean, Look, the bar is set low. 15 receptions, 108 yards, one touchdown. You want to see those numbers obviously improve. But again, with me, what I saw in film just watching him, um, I saw too many times where he's just putting his head down, blocking defenders. And look, a defender can easily just swipe by him and then get into the backfield, get get past him when he's blocking. I want to see him just set his feet, get where he needs to be, move the defender where you know wherever he needs to go. But that's the big thing with... Uh, Deion Sims he's there you know especially when it's goal line situation I want you to be able to you know make that initial block and have you know sustain that block get Jordan Howard spring him out uh, 
Tariq Cohen, any of those guys in the backfield. But another aspect is when, you know, tight ends, you know, like Will was saying earlier, make that money when they're in the middle of the field. They have to make a catch with a linebacker draped all over them. I want to see him be able to make those catches a little bit more consistently than we saw last season. But if he can just, you know, just honestly do anything better than last season, that's going to be progression moving forward. He's getting paid a lot of money, so I want to see it happen. I know B's like, why is he here? So I think we know his expectations are still low. So I'm going to go over to Will because I want to hear, uh, you know, you're a little bit higher on him. So I want to know what you expect out of him this season in the new offense. What I expect out of him is him to have a lot of shorter routes because that's what he really specialized in in Miami. I don't think you're going to see him running deep like we expect Trey Burton to be doing. I expect a lot of routes under 10 yards because he just specializes really okie-dokie because, like we said, he is mainly a run-blocking tight end. But he's He is athletic enough, and teams just expect him to be in there to run-block is that when he gets out, he creates separation, and when he does get out there, he knows where to find the soft spot in the zone. He did that a lot of times in the red zone in Miami. He was really a touchdown machine if you look at where his targets were a lot of the time. I, and that's why I think another reason he wasn't really uh, utilized a whole lot in the right way in Chicago last season is because we weren't in the red zone a whole lot. And that's really where he makes his money, if you ask me, is in the red zone. I don't know what it is about him, but he is just really great at when the defense gets uh, clustered up together. Oftentimes those zones are much harder to penetrate. Deion Sims just really sifts through them and finds the open spot. Do you think uh, the presence of all the new wide receivers, uh, Trey Burton as well, is really going to allow him to be a forgotten man down there in the red zone to kind of open up some even easier opportunities? Absolutely. I, I think that's uh, I think that's an easy point to make, and I'm, I think there's going to be a lot of forgotten people down there. Uh, it's not just Sims. It's a lot of other people as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Wow. Easy point to make. I don't know how to feel about that. You should feel good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to take your word for it. All right. So B, any final thoughts on Sims? I, I kind of snubbed you, but I'm going to go back to you. Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, I had his expectations for this year at only at like 13 receptions. I'm not sure that he gets uh, his hand very much in there uh, to be a receiving tenant. I'm not sure that he gets looked at very often just because I don't want to say he's got a bad uh, reputation with Trubisky, but I think there's going to be some trust issues that need to be bridged. But to have a successful season, he's going to have to have more than 20 receptions because this offense is set up for him to really succeed. So he just really needs to go get it. All right. So up next, we're going to talk about the second year pro out of Ashland. But just one thing before we do, I want to ask you, our podcast listeners, to leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We're currently at 209 reviews right now, which is amazing. But I know there are thousands more of you out there who can still help us out. See, every review that we receive increases our chances of being discovered by more fellow Bears fans. We don't have a large budget like a huge media entity to really promote our show. So we really do appreciate the assistance that we receive from our loyal listeners. And to reward you, we do select a random listener at every 50 reviews to receive a free piece of gear, either be our gear or Chicago Bears gear. So please, if you can, just help us out. Review our show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you don't have an iTunes account, just head over to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash the Bears Bros, and leave a review there. We have a section for that as well. Again, our entire team highly appreciates your support. So thank you so much. All right, guys, getting back to business. It's time to discuss Adam Shaheen, someone who I dubbed Shaheen Machine a year ago because I don't like Baby Gronk. I like having my own unique nicknames here in Chicago. And he truly was a machine from, well, one yard out. All three of his touchdowns came from three feet away at the end zone. And I know someone's going to be griping because they're going to be like, Will, one of those came from about a yard and a half or two yards out. All right, excuse me, whatever. We're moving on. 
And when I look back at Shaheen's entire rookie season, again, it was a mixed bag. Like we mentioned throughout the show, last year's offense was, in general, it was a pretty much an empty bag for the most of the year. Uh, he had some seldom flashes, but overall, Shaheen was a slight disappointment. However, we noted in the beginning of the year, especially in last year's countdown to camp, that he we should anticipate some struggles uh, you know, transitioning from the D2 all the way to the pro level. So we need to keep that in mind as well. But again, always frustrating when a second-round pick doesn't really make much of an impact. So let's get a little bit more specific. I want to go over to Will first. What are some maybe promising signs that Shaheen gave you a year ago? A year ago, uh, some other film study I was doing, I looked at the Detroit game at Soldier Field, and I was really impressed by his run blocking in that game. That's a game where the Bears had a little bit of success on the ground, but what I look for in run blocking, especially from tight ends, is them winning that line of scrimmage because there are some tight ends where you just kind of hope that they kind of they hold their ground, they don't get beaten into the backfield. Adam Shaheen, on a lot of plays that I watched, was managing to get positive ground, moving his defender backwards, which really created some lanes for Jordan Howard, and it was really apparent in that game because Howard ran for over 100 yards that game, really successful, one of the best offensive performances we saw all year. And I think it was a large part in due to blocking by Shaheen, which I don't think a lot of us expected to say coming into his rookie year. What about you, B? Any strengths that you hope he builds off of? Obviously, a size he's 6'5", 270, and those three touchdown catches that he had are reassuring if they were only three feet out. Uh, but I, I hope that he works on his, his route running. It seems like early on in the year, mostly, and then he kind of stopped getting playing time and it picked back up again. It was because when he was running routes, he just looked kind of clunky out there. Like his size is an advantage, but it's also a disadvantage because he'd trip over his own feet or he couldn't hardly get any of that yak that you really like. You know, so I think that he really just needs to work on being a receiver. And I think that, you know, that's going to be a strength is he has good hands. He just needs to work on his route running. Yeah, I think clunky is a creative way to put it. Cause I remember multiple times, especially in the preseason early on in the year, when he get his, you know, he'd catch the ball, he'd turn up field, and maybe he's just not used to this older field turf just yet. But like he said, he just kind of like you just fall down and he was known out of Ashland for being a very smooth mover in space. So I think that's something that maybe he was nervous. Again, it's a huge transition from D2 to the pros. Not everyone can be a Tariq Cohen, take the NFL by storm. So Shaheen, of course, that's an issue that we hope is cleared up. But what about you, Nick? Anything else you want to add here? I like his catch radius, and in, again, in that first Lions game at Soldier Field, uh, there are times where he has someone draped all over him because maybe that route run, he's not able to create that separation, but still able to make that contested catch, or if he has to dive on the ground for it, being a bigger guy, six foot seven, uh, he's able to reach down and be, you know, use that to his advantage, really. So I really like that about him, and again, Will mentioned it, I was also impressed with his run blocking because that was a question mark coming in for Shaheen. Is right. he going to be able to run block against... Uh, you know, going from Ashland to now the NFL, is that going to be, that's going to be a question mark. But in that game specifically, I saw the same things that Wills was seeing. He was winning those, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage and holding, you know, holding his own, which was uh, very encouraging to see. No doubt about it. But of course, you know, with those strengths, there were some glaring weaknesses a year ago. Nick, I'm going to write back to you. What does he need to improve on this year in order to have a bigger role in the offense? Well, he only played 24% of the offensive snaps, so he needs to actually get on the field a little bit more, just get that game time reps because, yeah, there were some games where he was, you know, like the Lions game where he made an impact, but then there was a lot of games where he's just not on the field enough to do much of anything. Um, and again, there were... Like I said, I, I complimented him on his blocking. There are times he was overmatched by linebackers. I like him when he's blocking like that safety coming down. He could definitely overpower them. But there are some times, well, of course, coming from Ashland to the NFL where he's going to be overpowered. And that's going to happen. But, you know, going into year two, 
just got to learn from, you know, the mistakes that he's made, but he just needs to see the field more. And in that offense last season, the bears just really misplaced and misused them at times. So I, I expect to see growth in all those areas coming into this season. Will, where do you see Shaheen fitting in? Is he a Y? Is he a U? Is he a hybrid between the two? I think he, I think you nailed it right on the head with that last one. I think he's a little bit of a hybrid between the two. He has that athleticism to move like Burton at times, like Brandon mentioned earlier. He really needs to work on that footwork. I think that is. I think his route running is largely due to his footwork. He isn't bending his hips a whole lot when he's getting into his break, which is really hard to get a nice crisp break. You know, uh, altitude is attitude, and uh, that's how you break out of your cuts. And a lot of times, even in that Lions game, one of his better outings, you know, a lot of times when he was making his break, it was on to zone coverage when he was getting wide open. So it's good that he knew the soft spot in the zone, or maybe it was just schemed outright, which I tend to believe the former rather than the latter, uh, considering last year's track record. But I don't, he did not create a lot of separation and man coverage. And I think that has a lot to do with overall footwork. Do you believe that the new system, though, will put them in a better position to perhaps beat man coverage? Because I know they're doing, you know, creative things to get people in prime positions, prime matchups. Yeah, uh, the scheme will help them out. But at the end of the day, man coverage at the end of the day is mano a mano. You know, am I going to perfect my technique and beat your technique or am I not? Is at the end of the day what man coverage is? I think the scheme overall, especially when it comes to zones and putting him in better matchups, I think that will help him out. But at the end of the day, like I said, man coverage is man coverage. Can you beat the guy across from you? Thank you. That's the exact answer I was hoping for because a lot of people uh, want to just clasp onto the scheme being, you know, the end all be all right now. And like you said, there's some other things that kind of go into this. You you can have the best scheme in the world, but if you're not doing, you know, the technique correctly. Uh, it's not still going to work out to your favor, uh, you know, often. B, over to you. What would make this season a success for Shaheen? To avoid the sophomore slump, I think he's kind of set up to have one at the moment. He didn't really have the best year. Like you said, he kind of underwhelmed us. Uh, new coach, new system, so he's going to have to learn everything else again. He didn't get much playing time, so that kind of was against him. Like Nick said, he only played 24% of the offensive snaps last year. So I think he's kind of set up to have a, an unfortunate sophomore slump. So if he can avoid it, then I would call it a successful season. What about you, Nick? You know, I mean, that's you hit it right, uh, right there, Brandon. I mean, with Trey Burton coming in, is is Adam Sheen going to get discouraged that he's not getting as much offensive snaps? But he's in a system that is definitely going to be able to cater to his abilities. Um, I think for me, I just want to see Sheen more on the field and then able to get those uh more impactful plays in the game. It doesn't necessarily, he doesn't have to have all the touchdowns. He really doesn't, but he did last season, which is encouraging, but I want to see him be able to like, it's third in third and seven or something like that. Make a catch over the middle, just convert the chain, something like that. That's what you want to consistently see and be a reliable guy for Trubisky. They were, they were roommates, uh, you know, in training camp, Trubisky's going to want to count on this guy to convert the chains when, when you need it most, uh, that's what I want to see Shaheen become. Just uh, again, a lot of these guys are going to be maybe security blankets for Trubisky. You can spread the ball around. So whenever that opportunity is, just be ready for it. Will, do you have any differing expectations? It's it's really tough for me to because I think when you get to this point, especially if you try to do the numbers for every single player on the Bears offense, you kind of get into this idea. It's like, geez, we have three guys who are capable of doing some pretty good things. And eventually you start running out of targets to spread out. 
And like, like Brandon mentioned, you don't want a sophomore slump from him, which is interesting because I don't think you're going to see a slump from Shaheen's numbers last year. But I think the problem is there's just this expectation with his athletic ability and what this offense should allow him to do is that people expect him to, you know, have something along 40 catches for 500, 600 yards. But then you go to, you know, Trey Burton and you're like, well, gosh, he should have about 500 yards, you know, 40 catches or something like that. That's something you want to see. And then you go to Deion Sims, which even if you don't expect him to get as much, it's like, okay, well, you want you know, about 25 catches, you know, 300 yards and four or five touchdowns because he's a red zone threat. Well, you're expecting 1,500 yards and about 15 touchdowns from your tight ends. <laughs> Not that that wouldn't be fantastic, but I guess for me and Adam Shaheen, it's if, if, Dan, if Deion Sims plays the way I expect him to, I think it's going to be tough for him to get on the field. I don't see a lot of three tight end. Uh, I don't see a lot of three tight end formations out of this coaching staff, which I am not begging for by any extent of the imagination. I saw enough for a lifetime in 2017, but I, I think like Nick mentioned, it's going to be tough for Shaheen to get on the field. So I guess from my perspective, I'm really tempering my expectations. You want to see a second round pick succeed right out of the gate, but you know, I think this might be a make or break year for Deion Sims, and we see much more of what Adam Shaheen will be in year three. All right. I understand exactly where you're coming from there, Will. So moving forward, I just want to note that last season we had five tight ends on the active roster. We've already talked about three. There are three more to go. So somewhere, someone, they're going to be the odd man out after the preseason. Well, wait. Real quick, I want to know how many guys, how many tight ends do you guys think are going to make the roster? I see some people believing only four, four or five. What do you guys think? Will, real quick, just a number. I've got, I've got just four. Okay, Nick, I got four because in Kansas City, Negi and Andy Reid, they only kept three, and you said it. The Bears kept five. Got to go right in the middle, middle there. Yeah, yeah, it's a good that's middle right there. The law of averages. I like it. What about yeah. you, B? I have five because I think some of these guys are going to play more special teams. Okay. I just wanted to know, we're going to make some roster predictions later on, but I was just curious what everyone's kind of thinking. I honestly don't know, which is good because you don't know what they're going to do with the receiver position. How many running backs do they want to keep? I mean, there's so many variables that come into play here. And again, the Bears have a lot of talent at this position, which is a great problem to have. But guys, let's go right ahead to what I'm going to call the second tier at the position. And that's Ben Broniker, Daniel Brown, and Colin Thompson. And before we do, I guess I want to let our listeners know, because some of them are probably asking, guys, you haven't talked about Zach Miller yet. You know, the Bears did sign him to the veteran minimum contract. Uh, does he even have an outside shot, uh, shot of playing maybe later on the season? And just to those fans, I want to just let you know, temper those expectations. The Bears brought him back on more of an act of good faith. In many ways, wanted to keep his veteran presence in the locker room and in that tight end room. And in many ways, I see him more as a, bonus coach for this season. Uh, he mentioned it during his presser a few weeks back that he's looking at this opportunity to kind of just see how coaching feels to be that next potential career move. But guys, you know, here at the Bears Brothers, we, of course, respect and admire Zach Miller. Uh, does anyone have something to say about this situation in general before we go into the next guys? I think you kind of hit it there. Um, I, I think the biggest thing with having Zach Miller, you mentioned the coaching aspect, but I think the biggest thing here is that he gets access to the best medical treatment that he is going to be able to get, and it's going to be all free. And, you know, Miller is still recovering. He is not ready to perform at an NFL level at this time. 
you know, if you put him on the field right now, he just wouldn't be able to go. He's not able to cut at this time being, which is just such a long way from being able to actually perform at NFL level. This contract to me is not only a good PR move, not only good to have him in the locker room, but this gets him the treatment that he really needs to get back to being able to live life to the fullest after football. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Do you guys have anything else you want to add about this? You know, I mean, imagine Zach Miller just in this office. Obviously, that's great for Zach Miller, and I'm glad that he's getting this treatment. But, man, he would fit perfectly in this offense. He would – I mean, he would be the Trey Burton, basically. He'd play that U tight end, and uh, there was stuff coming out today that he had, like, the least drop – the lowest drop percentage among tight ends. Man, he would have been awesome in this offense. Yeah, he would have been a ton of fun to watch, no doubt about it. What about you, B? I think the Wills uh, hit it on the head there. Nice. <laughs> Willpower. All right. Cool. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the other three guys. I'm just going to go in alphabetical order because why the hell not? Uh, first up, we have Ben Broniker. He's entering his third season here in Chicago after being a an undrafted free agent out of Harvard. Uh, he's bounced around between the practice squad and the active roster over the last two years. Uh, but he's really seen much game action, and he only has uh, four catches, all of which came in his rookie year. So it's personally difficult to kind of pinpoint exactly what we should expect from him. And just to note, under the new CBA, he is eligible for the practice squad this year as an exception. So I just want to let you know, because typically in the old rules, he wouldn't be. But it's changed. He could still make it under practice squad. He is eligible. So, Nick, I'm going to go to you first. What does Broniker bring to the table? Anything you still like about him after all this time? Honestly, uh, he, I mean, just a uh, spoiler, I mean, he's the, like my odd man out. I like Daniel Brown over him. Uh, he's Yes, he plays on special teams, but like a guy like Daniel Brown plays more special teams and plays more on offense than Ben Broniker does. Um, y- you mentioned it. He's from Harvard. He, you know, he's a smart guy. I think that's maybe going to be his second route. I don't, th- I don't know if he makes it on this Bears team. Um, just with the talent that the Bears do have at tight end now. Um, but yeah, I just see him as the odd man out. I haven't, we haven't seen much of him. I think it's saying right here, if this is right, 0.4% on the offensive snap. So he, it's obviously a very, very small sample size. But yeah, nothing, nothing really much on Ben Broniker. Yeah, I didn't think you would be. <laughs> if I remember correctly, when the Bears did bring him in, he was someone that you were high on about his long-term development. Have you cooled off since then? Slightly. I mean, he's kind of uh, in a crowded room at the moment, so I don't know if he's going to get much time to develop. I have him making the team just as a special teamer. He's not going to get any offensive time at all. Uh, that offensive snap percentage is going to drop to zero. So I I just kind of <laughs> have him on a, on a special teams unit right now. He, he's tough. He's a, he's a good blocker. It's just there's no room for him at the moment. Will, anything else on Ben Broniker that fans must know heading into camp? Um, I think the other guys really got uh, most of it there. Uh, Brock Broniker was kind of a guy that would also line up in that H back position much, much more when the bears were a run heavy team. I think at this point in time, you're going to see guys like Trey Burton who can not only block, but also get out there on routes, be much more versatile and uh, be much more useful in this offense. So largely what Brandon said, he is a special teams guy. And if he makes the team, it's going to be because of that value familiarity with uh, systems. But I mean, even that's kind of being thrown out of the window with a new special teams coordinator. So a large uphill battle for me in the mind of uh, Ben Broniker. Yep. Okay. Well, he makes it for me. <laughs> There you go. There you go. We have you have a dark horse. That's okay. 
All right, so let's go ahead and transition. Let's talk about a guy who I think all of us are perhaps a little bit more excited about. Nick and Brandon already alluded to it. Uh, and personally, I found I find Daniel Brown to be very intriguing. I stated it back in January during our State of the Franchise episode, uh, but I think Brown can be sneakily effective. Uh, he's not a world beater. He doesn't have to be, especially with this crowded of a tight end room. Uh, and he's coming from James Madison. He's that hybrid between tight end and wide receiver. He's, you know, rarely lined up in line. He's often found in the slot and in his first 20 games as a bear he has 29 catches averages nearly nine yards per reception and he's someone who he doesn't have you know uh well he does have decent speed i was gonna say he doesn't have you know he's not gonna burn you he's a tight end that's okay that's why he made the move to tight end from receiver um but he does have really good hands and again i like him on this roster as an extra pass catching tight end as like maybe a primary you backup behind Burton, depending on what they want to do with Shaheen. Um, I was going to ask if anyone uh, either agrees or wants to call me down, but Nick and Brandon seem pretty high on Brown as well. So I want to go to Nick first. What's your take? Man, I like Brown. I've I've been riding this Brown train for a while now. He just doesn't get his opportunities. That's the only thing. I mean, you hit it on the head there, Will. Well, he's a natural receiver. He obviously receiver at tight end. Um, and he actually played more on the offense than Adam Shaheen did. It was a small, it was very small. He played 24.39%. Shaheen played 24.19%. So he has even that on Shaheen Rowan right now. <laughs> and honestly, he fits that you tight end. He's going to be that guy, that receiving tight end that can go and run these routes. And having that receiver background, uh, that's going to only help him out in, you know, in an offense where you need to, you know, run routes precisely. So I, I like him. And I think that's why, uh, you know, his characteristics is what he can do on the football field. That's just going to help him, you know, make this roster, even though, you know, Kansas city only had three tight ends and the bears had five last season. Like I said, I think they keep four and I think Daniel Brown's that last guy. Yeah. And I want to mention, I was high on Daniel Brown before my neighbor moved in a couple you know, doors down who played quarterback uh, for him. So I just want to admit that I've had this way beforehand, but uh, B, what about you? Are you on, uh, I'm going to call him the Brown gravy train. How's that sound? All right. Okay. Um, no, was, I'm, I'm sorry. Long I, week, wasn't, shows. I, was, I wasn't expecting that. Um, well, Nick said the Brown train. I was just thinking like, what's Brown? And, and like, well, gravy. Maybe gravy boats. I, I, I failed miserably. So we're going to we just, do, we're going to delete the, all of this. We're going to rewind. <laughs> just redo the, the Brown gravy boat. We can, we can roll with that. That's no, we can't. Don't say it again. <laughs> <laughs> say Nick wasn't here for that time. You're going to jinx this over again. <laughs> no. Insight. I'm I'm not as as high on Brown uh, as Nick is. I think he's just going to kind of be there. He will be more of a special teamer. I like what he brings to the table. He's a, you know an extra receiver, so he's got that going for him. Runs good routes, has good hands. I think he'll play underneath very well, which is something that the RPO system is set up to do. Uh, so I don't know how much offensive time he's going to get. I see him being primarily a special teamer. You know, he makes the team just more on the third phase. Yeah, I mean, he played you know, over 20% last year. Of course, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, Nick. I don't know if you do, but I'm sure the primary uh, snaps came after Zach Miller's injury, correct? Uh, I can go to his game by game if you give me a second, but... You know, yeah, we'll we go also, to Will for a second. Yeah, you can yeah, chime back that. in. You can do some research. Will, what are so, your thoughts on Daniel Brown? So for me with Daniel Brown, you mentioned where does he fit into this offense. If you ask me, I think the two-minute drill, and that's a lot of where he saw his snaps this season was in that two-minute drill scenario. And I think a lineup with him and Trey Burton, I because when you get into that uh, two-minute phase, you're going to have a lot of what the defense is trying to do, whether that's going to be trying to blitz to get you to throw faster, whether they're dropping back into coverage. When you have two tight ends like Burton and Daniel Brown, you're able to kind of 
roll with the punches a bit with what the defense wants to do. If they blitz, they can stay in on option routes and get a chip block and then go out, or they can just run the routes right away. It's it, I really like the versatility with the two of them. You alluded to it earlier. Brown kind of seems like a carbon copy backup for Trey Burton, and I think that, along with the special teams value, makes him a great candidate to make this team. No doubt. Nick, you have the numbers? I do. So he actually played zero snaps from game one to game seven. And obviously that was before Zach Miller's injury. And then it started going up. So he didn't see an offensive snap before Zach Miller got injured. And that's why he uh, has just a little bit more than Adam Shaheen. Yeah, I remember last year, too, when it first started happening, we're like, why in the world is Daniel Brown out there instead of Adam Shaheen? We'd, why are you hindering his development? And then Brown kind of showed up a little bit. And you're like, oh, OK, that's why the Bears were putting him out there. He, he did fill in pretty admirably after Zach Miller went down. And again, he's someone who you're not going to expect to see on offense a ton. But if Burton needs a breather, say the Bears offense just had a long scoring drive. Sounds nice, doesn't it? And the defense gets a quick turnover. <laughs> Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? And they're pretty gassed. You can throw Brown out there for to start the series and then have Burton come back in. Um, but no, if the if everyone presumably stays healthy, which knock on wood, we all hope they do, he doesn't need to be out there nearly, you know, a ton, but good special teams guy, and of course, someone who can step in and fill in when his number is called. All right, guys, let's go ahead to Colin Thompson. And the Bears, they brought in this blocking tight end out of tempo last November, and really. That's all we know about the guy. Uh, like us, he does run a podcast. That's something else I can mention. That's really about it. Does anyone have any expectations for Thompson? Because I haven't seen him in person. So I'm waiting till training camp to kind of see what the Bears are doing with him, how he's going to be utilized, where he's lining up, and all that jazz. But, Will, do you have anything you want to mention on Thompson? Uh, gosh, I think in his last year at Temple, he had something like three catches for 43 yards. Uh, for Ooh. me, if he... Yeah, yeah, uh, really, uh, yeah, real offensive explosion right there. If only uh, John Fox was still here, I mean, he would be uh, All probably drooling. Stay <laughs> <laughs> only three catches and he blocks. Get First him on rounder. the field. Get First him rounder. on the field. <laughs> but uh, for me, if if Thompson really is going to have a good shot at making this team, not only is he going to have to play fantastic special teams, he's going to have to develop a receiving part of his game. I don't think you're going to see any tight ends uh, on this team that aren't able to have a very strong receiving aspect in their uh, tool bag of skills. So that's my take on him. I really don't like his chances of making this team, but like, like Will said earlier, we do need to see him in person before we put any nails in this coffin, but I definitely have him as the outside, outside, outside man looking in. Wow. Well, I think the three catches is last year uh, might have been the nails that we need, <laughs> honestly. But uh, Nick or Brandon, if you have anything else to add, I'll give you some uh, time on the floor. But I don't want to bog the conversation down on Thompson personally. And I feel bad, but we have a lot more to get to. Yeah, let's just move on. I think that's a we smart can, move. We can move on. Perfect, because I'm going to ask you right now, who makes a roster out of this group and why, which is a perfect reason to explain why he won't. So let's go over the brain. <laughs> Can you tell me who's on your roster? Brandon, you go to me? I did oh, go sorry. to you. Yeah, you're laughing so loud. You can't even hear me. Yeah, I've got uh, Trey Burton, Deion Sims, Adam Shaheen, Daniel Brown, and Ben Braunecker. Uh, the last two, Braunecker and Brown, just mainly special teams. Trey Burton, because he's so versatile, he's going to line up a whole bunch of different positions, and they signed him in, expecting him to be the big guy, the big tight end that's going to make all these plays. Adam Sheen, I think he's still going to develop. I don't know that we'll see the best out of him. I think, like uh, Will said earlier, uh, the best is yet to come from Adam Shaheen next year. And then Deion Sims, because they have to justify that contract at least. I, I hope he shows up and uh, shows a little bit more than he did last year. What about you, Nick? I know you have four. 
Yep, I have Burton, Shaheen, Sims, and Daniel Brown. Um, this system likes to utilize their tight ends, and obviously they have the U and Y have their very specific, uh, I guess, assignments, but can you know interchangeably do both. Uh, so, but Brown's like the guy that even though Kenzie's only had three in the past, he's a guy that can play special teams. He could play that that U uh, role, and if he does get time, it's going to be tough with the tight ends in front of him. But yeah, that's why I have those four making it. All right, Will, over to you. Anything different? No, I have that exact lineup. Deion Sims, Shaheen, Burton, and Brown. Those are my four. However, my bold prediction will be a tad bit different, but uh, it's a little, it's a very much an outside shot, so I'm not going to spoil that quite yet. Thanks for not going full out Brandon and spoiling. <laughs> I, I do appreciate Oops. it. So for me, I have the same four that everyone else has. I think if they do keep five, of course, it's going to be Braunecker. But personally, with the new CBA rules, I think it's a great opportunity to throw Ben on a practice squad yet again. If you need to elevate him throughout the season, he's right there waiting for you. He doesn't have to go find another job. He's going to be continuing to stay in the system. You can groom him for if they want to move on from, say, a Deion Sims a year from now, if he does have another disappointing season, then you can bring him up. And then you have another four guys who are familiar with the system. So maybe not a huge drop-off from Sims if, again, this is if, Sims does indeed struggle this season, which I know I don't say other will. I don't say will number two. Uh, so I'm just going to call him you. Will Ingles uh, doesn't believe that he's going to struggle as much as most fans might think, but that's going to be my guys. Let's go ahead and enter the final segment of this show and take a look at the big picture. So guys, I want to know what's your current confidence level in this group for 2018? Cause we talked about it all show long. This group has a ton of potential, but there's no doubt about that. But it's still a very unproven unit, nevertheless. So, Nick, over to you. Where's the confidence? You know, despite Burton not having, you know, that much experience and that much playing time in Philadelphia, I'm very confident in the position as as a whole. Um, Burton as a U, you have Sims, even though he didn't have a very good season last season, I think he'll get better. And Shaheen, I think, is going to go avoid that sophomore slump and just get better from last season. Um, Shaheen has that big body to create mismatches all over the field. Deion Sims, obviously, uh, will do what he does, and we'll see exactly what what that role is in Nagy's system. And then Burn, I think, is just going to be a focal point in this offense. So I'm very confident in the position. All right. Very confident. I like that answer. What about you, B? Where's your level? I'm fairly confident. There's a lot of deep potential here that's yet to be proven. So I don't want to set, set my bar too high. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, Nick mentioned all the, you know, Shaheen's still young. He's going to grow. Hopefully avoids a sophomore slump. Trey Burton hasn't got much starting time. Deion Sims was kind of unproven last year, but has shown some things in the past. Uh, Daniel Brown just getting a little bit more playing time than Adam Shaheen last year. There's a lot of untapped potential. Uh, for that reason, I am fairly confident in the position. There's a lot of deep deep chances here for someone to step up if one one player doesn't take it over another. All right. Will, what about you? I am extremely confident. I would give it a 9 out of 10 as far as my confidence rating is concerned. I love the talent in this group. I think it fits a lot into what Matt Nagy will love to do. Uh, I think talent wins out here. Uh, we won't have to see it restrained anymore by an archaic offense. I think these guys will run wild in this new offense, and I'm very confident in what they'll do to opposing defenses. There you go. You know, right now, this is very much, you know, potential energy. If you want to go into physics term, they have a lot of potential energy. But if Nagy in this offense and the system, everyone – clicks how we expect them to, they can become kinetic energy, be a difference maker, be people who's moving this offense forward instead of holding them back and just being full of potential. So yeah, high, you know, potential, 
expectations are going to be a little bit more mild, a little bit more tame until they prove me otherwise. But I'm not going to I'm not going to sell them short of their potential. But also, I don't want to be uh, looking back at the season like, why did I expect so much out of this group? And then kind of, you know, not lay a goose egg, but just disappoint nevertheless. All right, guys. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. I want you to fill in the blank. So this week's fill in the blank for the tight end is going to be a successful year for the tight end, tight end group will consist of blank. And I'll be disappointed if the group blanks. Let's go over to Nick first. So best case scenario is that each of the tight ends contribute and burns the lead dog. But the worst case scenario is that burn being inexperienced is not able to be that guy. Even though we've shown signs so, so far that he's able to, but if he's not able to carry that workload, that's going to be the worst case scenario for the Bears because they're expecting so much from him. What about you, Will? They will be successful if each tight end realizes, recognizes, and executes their role on the team. They will be unsuccessful if Trey Burton cannot fulfill that role of the move tight end, if Adam Shaheen cannot fulfill his hybrid role, and if Deion Sims cannot fulfill his run blocking but also utilizes a receiver role. And then Daniel Brown, of course, fitting in with special teams and filling in elsewhere. Those guys each have very unique skill sets, and they need to utilize them to their fullest potential. And I know Nagy's going to find those spots for them. So they got to execute those spots for them to be successful. If they don't find them and don't execute them, it'll be very disappointing. No doubt. Let's go over to B. Fill in the blanks, man. It's going to be a successful season for the tight ends if Deion Sims leads the squad in touchdowns because that opens up the door for so many other guys to be able to contribute in the red zone and down the field as well to get those long sustained drives that you were talking about earlier. Uh, but it's going to be a failure if none of these guys uh, even come close to reaching what we think their potential is going to be. I know, you know Will was talking earlier, it's hard to say, you know, Trey Burton's going to get 40 receptions for X amount of yards and Adam Shaheen's going to do something similar. You know, because then who? You know, and if you have those expectations set too high, uh, then you're just going to really be disappointed in this group like the other Will talked about, host Will talked about earlier. Uh, it's just, you can't, don't set your expectations too high. And I think that overall, there's not going to be much disappointment in this position. All right, be right back to you. X factor at the position. X factor at the position. I think it's going to be Trey Burton. He's just utilized in so many different ways that it's going to be hard for defenses to match up with. Okay, what about you, Will? I have Trey Burton as well. I think he's the guy who has the most untapped potential, most that we haven't seen, and I think uh, this offense will give him the most responsibility, so therefore he's my X factor. Nick? Got to go with Trey Burton. I mean, the, again, he's going to be the guy in this offense. I'll pull Brandon, pull out the, whip out the broom because it's a sweep. Trey Burton is going to be <laughs> the X factor. So moving on, guys, you know, training camp, again, it's only 23 days away. At the time of this recording, if you're listening to podcasts, it's probably going to be closer to 20. But uh, when we go down, go down there, we're watching the offense. We're going to be paying attention to, of course, all the positional units. But when we're watching the tight end, I want to know what you guys are going to be paying attention to the most. And Nick, right back at you. So I'm going to be paying attention to where Adam Shaheen is lining up. And we, we mentioned he's probably that hybrid between that U, that Y tight end. Is he just a red zone threat? Is he going to stretch the field as often as Trey Burton? I doubt that. But it's going to be interesting to see how the Bears, you know, early on in training camp, uh, where they line him up, how they, where they put him, what kind of routes is he running specifically. And obviously that will change throughout the course of the season. But that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, no doubt. Let's go over to B. Uh, same question. You know the drill. Um, I'll be curious to know if Deion Sims shows what he did, what he did in Miami. 
I'm excited to see if that's actually going to be the case or not, especially because this offense is just set up for each tight end really to succeed uh, given their opportunity. Was that a Freudian slip there saying he'll be a dud? No. <laughs> I had to know. I had to know. What about you? Uh, for me, it's going to be playing off a little bit what Nick said, but I'm going to be interested to see how Adam Shaheen develops uh, from last year to this year. Seeing, like I said, my main focus with Shaheen will be how he works with that footwork, getting in and out of his breaks, whether he's you know getting his hips low, which for a big guy like him isn't easy, but I think that's going to be what I'm watching for him to improve on the most in training camp this year. All right, it's time for the last, it's not really a question, but segment, I guess. Bold predictions. I mean, I can ask you what's your bold prediction, so it could be a question, but I just really made a long-winded way of asking you what's your bold prediction. So one last time, Will, what's your bold prediction? My bold prediction is that one of these tight ends will be traded before the season starts. I think uh, Ryan Pace is always looking to make a deal. Um, San Diego Chargers are hurting beyond hurting for any type of help at tight end. Um, I think either Deion Sims or Daniel Brown could be sold at a higher value than they currently are. Uh, That's my bold prediction is I think Pace will uh, take advantage of another team desperately needing help at the tight end position. And I think one of those two guys could really help them out there. Wow. No, that one took me by surprise. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's what we're, that's what the bold prediction segment's all about. Let's go over to B now. What's your bold prediction? Deion Sims ends up being the focal point uh, for the offense, leads tight ends in yards and touchdowns. <laughs> you went from why is he here to leading. <laughs> well, you said bold. Oh, oh, you're right. You, you, you got me there. Nick, what is your bold prediction? Uh, so I mentioned it kind of earlier in this podcast, but I think Trey Burns going to lead this team in receptions. I think, uh, you know, this offense going to run through him and he's going to have his best games of the season against the Packers. There we go. I like that one a lot. My bold prediction, it's kind of a two-parter. Part number one is Trey Burton's going to have a, at least one passing touchdown this year. You know, the media has talked about it. We saw, you know, the, the whole play in the Super Bowl. He can throw the ball, former quarterback. Of course. All right. But what's going to make this bold? He's going to throw that touchdown to another tight end. So we're going to have a tight end to a tight end touchdown, which I don't know when that has ever happened. Someone needs to look it up and let me know. But I just I came up with that about halfway through the show. So that's going to be my bold <laughs> prediction. Anyone like have it. any anyone have any final thoughts on the tight end group wrapping it all up? Let's go over to Nick first. It's going to be a fun group to watch, uh, you know, throughout the course of the season, just with what each guy brings, what the potential of these guys has for, you know, their expectations for themselves and uh, us as fans of them. So it's just going to be a fun group to watch overall. What about you, Brandon? I'm really looking forward to what potential ends up showing and who ends up taking what position. Uh, There's a lot of like we I think the theme for the show has been untapped potential. I'm curious to know who's going to seize the moment. All right, and Will, you do play linebacker, so I'm going to legitly let you wrap it up. Oh, like it. Um, Yeah, for me, I think Nick really hit it. Uh, It's going to be watching. We haven't had a group of this. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. 
much talent at a position in a long time. And I think this will be kind of a similar thing when we wrap up the wide receiver show is that we haven't seen so much talent sequestered at one position on the Bears offense in a really long time, unless you want to look at maybe running backs. But I think this is such a special time to be a Bears fan and really get to look forward to what these talented athletes will do in a wide open offense. There we go. Couldn't have said it better myself. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. And that's why I handed it over to you. So that's going to do it for this episode. I hope that you found our tight end preview both useful and insightful. And no matter where you are in the world, how you consume our show, one thing is for certain. We're all Bears fans and Bears family. And we appreciate each and every one of you. So please help us out by leaving that review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, or maybe just tell a friend or a family member who's also a Bears fan about our show, about our website. We would not be here if not for you and your help. So again, thank you so much. We're going to be back in two weeks to pre, uh, preview the overhauled wide receiver group with you. If you're listening to the podcast, it's only one week away from you. But until then, have a great 4th of July. And of course, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.